Hello. Thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. Don't you want to have his love? So glad I got his love. One more time, I know his love is above. Where in my heart? In my heart. Amen. How many of you uh, this morning are glad to be here? How many of you know that God has blessed you on this morning? How many of you realize that God loves you even more than you love yourself? That is a fact. That is a true statement that God loves us more than we love ourselves. God seeks to do good for us when we seek to do worse by ourselves. If it were up to us, we would get rid of God so that we could do what our flesh wanted to do. We choose our flesh. On certain days, we choose our flesh. Hopefully not too many days, but there are times when we choose ourselves over God and God says, I'm going to love you towards me. And I'm thankful for that. And that is a blessing to have a God that sincerely cares for us, wants to be in relationship with us and wants to be with us forever. Some of us, sometimes we can't stand to be with ourselves for a couple of moments, but God wants to be with us forever. And on this morning, we look at as we continue with our people of more series, the focus today is on the second in our mission statement, which is love more, love more. Love is a powerful word, which is packed with much meaning. Uh, there, there are many different ways to express and to show love. But Christians, we have a way that we are to show love towards each other. Again, as we look at our, our people of more mission statement, there are four things that, that we focus on here at the Avenue G Church of Christ. We want to make sure that every one of us in here, everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone who claims to be a member of the Avenue G Church of Christ, we want to make sure that you are working on one of these things at, at least one working on at least one of these things. And the first is to learn more, which we spoke about on last week. Uh, we want to make sure, we want to make sure that we understand the will of God. If we are learning of God, that means that there are things that are happening within us that are changing us into who we need to be for this life of eternity with God. Amen. We are not bodies in possession of a soul, but souls in possession of a body. So we need to make sure that we are spiritually taking care of ourselves by learning of God so we can be more like him and exude who God is to the world. Amen. And we can only do that by learning. The second is, of course, what we're looking at today, love more. The third, of course, is do more. That is taking, taking the mission that Jesus has left behind 
as we look at the Great Commission, taking that mission out to the world, because it's not enough for us to just love on each other. If that was the case, we would simply be a country club. And this is not a country club, amen? Some of us can't even play golf. But The fourth step that we look at is to teach more. This process, this, this way of life, this philosophy, this gospel cannot continue if you do not teach it. It is not only on the preacher, the minister, whatever it is that you may call me, crazy man up there. It's not only on me to spread the gospel, but it's on each and every one of us to teach the gospel. And everyone from the youngest person to the oldest ought to be teaching the gospel. Everybody, no matter if you're seven year old or 70 year old, you ought to be able to explain what the gospel is. It's a responsibility that, that, that should be important. It should be an honor for you to share this good news to the world. When we look at all of these, we believe that we're being pleasing to God. But like I said today, our focus is on love more. When you look at this, you know, I, I read a book one time, and it brought up a, a good point to me uh, where it explained that the opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. The opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. The word indifferent means marked by impartiality. That does not matter one way or the other. Of no importance or value, one way or the other. Indifference is the opposite of love. Indifference is the opposite of love. To love someone is to do what God did and pour everything that you love into somebody else. Self-sacrificing love. That's the greatest example of love that we've ever seen. To hate is not the opposite of love, but indifference. Indifference is you saying, I, I don't even care whether you live or die. I have no, I have no, no stake in what happens to you. I don't care any way or the other. There, there was a, a husband who was planning to do something special for his wife. And this husband, he, he goes about making sure that the day of his anniversary is special. And what he does is the husband, he looks at the budget as he has set it out. And he says, OK, I'm going to move this bill to this next week. And I'm going to make sure that this is moved somewhere else. And I'm going to maneuver the budget so that I have enough money to do something special for my wife on our anniversary day. It's going to be beautiful. And then I'm going to make sure that I take off from work. I'm going to go and I'm going to find child care for the kids. I'm going to find a babysitter. And then he goes to his wife for many years and he asks a question that will help to ensure the perfect night. And he asked his wife, uh, uh, where would you like to eat? And he eagerly awaits her response as if he's about to devour the words. As soon as she says he's going to go and he's going to make plans, and he's going to make sure it's the perfect night because he knows everything else is set up. The only thing that is left is for him to figure out where it is that they will eat for their anniversary. And the wife responds back, with three words, it doesn't matter. And every husband in here knows this. <laughs> and the husband is taken back by her indifference. You see, the husband has poured a lot of emotion and effort 
and thoughts into planning out this thing and making it a perfect night. And when he goes to his wife with this excitement because he cares about how it's going to go, and she responds to him, it doesn't matter. She's showing him a little bit of indifference. He's taken back. And he feels this way because his effort is not met with the same effort. Indifference among brothers and sisters in the church will take a strong and thriving church and turn it into a skeleton crew. It will promote burnout. And the only way in which we can ensure that we carry out the mission of God is to have a strong and healthy body. And without love, that's impossible. This morning, we take a a look at the first Christians and what promoted a strong and healthy community. I want you to turn your Bibles over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. It is within these verses that we see a very, very good example of what a strong community of believers looks like. That's the focus of the love more step. The love more step is focusing on us loving each other. Okay? It's focused on us loving each other. We want to make sure that we are giving as much love as we can to each other. The love that we show towards each other in the body is the fuel that helps us to continue to be the people that we need to be. If we don't have that love from each other in the body, guess what? It's hard to go out and spread the message. It's hard to go into the week without love from brothers and sisters because the world isn't going to meet you with that same love. The world is out to get you. The adversary is out to get you. He wants you to believe that no one loves you. He wants you to believe that you're all alone. He wants you to believe that you're by yourself in this thing and there is no hope. But guess what? God has placed something in the heart of every Christian that can be shared. And here's what it looks like. Acts chapter 2, verse number 41. We're going to read in this entirety first, and then I want to pull out a couple of points from this Christian community uh, as it first began. I want you to understand that this text takes place after the day of Pentecost. Uh, Jesus has shortly left the earth, and this is exactly 50 days, right? Jesus leaves the earth, and he leaves a mission for the 12. He says, I want you to go and take this gospel message to the world. And he says, I want you to stay here in Jerusalem because something special is about to happen. Something that has never happened before is about to happen. And I want you to stay in Jerusalem. And so it just so happens this day of Pentecost, this 50th day, that all the Jews, not just the Jews that were in uh, Jerusalem, but Jews from all over the known world at this time, they come back. The Jews that didn't even speak the Jewish language, the Hebrew, they didn't speak the language. They came from all these different places to celebrate this festival. And the 12 are there and they're sitting in a room. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes into the room and they're given this power to speak different languages. Peter stands up. And he speaks to the people and everybody who's there who speaks different languages can understand what's being said. And so in that moment, God is moving through the 12 and Peter stands up and he preaches the first Sunday morning worship. Preaches the first sermon on Sunday. And I can just imagine since everybody was able to understand that nobody fell asleep. He preaches this sermon and he tells them, 
Do you remember that man, Jesus? He was confirmed to be the son of God because he rose from the dead. And they're like, yes. They're thinking within themselves, yes, we remember that man. We heard about him raising from the dead. We heard about all these things. And then Peter says, well, guess what? Each and every one of you played a part in him dying. And they have to be thinking to themselves at this point in time, I didn't put any nails in his flesh. Just like none of us in here put any nails in his flesh. But guess what? Everybody in this room played a part in his death. Because of our sin, he had to die. And so they're, they're, they're pricked in their heart and they feel guilty about what Peter has just told them. And then they ask, what is it that we should do? What do we need to do so that we're not in the wrong, Peter? We, we, we want to fix this thing. Peter says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. Over 3,000 souls are saved on that day. Now, I want you to understand that on those festivals, there will usually be close to, if not more than a million people. Only 3,000, a little over 3,000 maybe, are saved. This is where it picks up. These people are baptized. They've come from many different locations. They're in Jerusalem. Now what? Verse number 41 says, so those who received his word were baptized. And there were about that day, about 3,000 souls. Verse 42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Can we say teaching and fellowship? fellowship. To the breaking of bread. Say breaking of bread. bread. And the prayers. Can we say prayers? prayers? You know, we often ignore our prayer life. This is the way that we communicate with God. God speaks to us through his word, through things that happen. God even speaks to us through nature. But we often neglect to speak back to God. It's important. And they thought it to, they saw that it was important as well. Verse number 43. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things. Can we say all things? All things things in common. Verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Keep going. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the number, to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So as we look at Acts 2.41 again, this verse says that all of these people on this day were baptized. And the question that we have to ask now We're Christians, we're the body, we're saved, our sins are washed away. We know what it is that God has for us to know. What next? What's next? Verse number 42, I want you to see this here. Read that, Brother Arnold. 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles. It teaching. says that they devoted themselves. Pause right there. When it says here that they devoted themselves, that says that there was an extreme amount of effort that was given to do something. I want you to understand it, that whenever they decided to be a part of the Christian family, when they chose to be saved, the Bible says clearly, because there's many different words that could have been used here, but the author of Acts, which is Luke, decided to use this word devoted, which means to put forth extreme effort. It's not enough to put forth a half-hearted effort. A lot of us, as the new year started, we put forth a half-hearted effort towards our diet. We said, I'm going to eat better. And we eat better Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday comes and pizza wings and things has a special. And next thing you know, we're eating 20 wings for $10, right? That's half-hearted devotion to something. The author of this here says that they put forth an extreme effort towards some things. It says they devoted themselves first to what? To the apostles' teaching. To the apostles' teaching. Now, I want you to understand that at this time, when someone taught someone else, they would carry on that teaching almost word for word. Nothing is changing when a teaching is passed down from one party to the next. And so when it says that they were uh, extremely devoted to the apostles teaching, what they're saying is, is that they're extremely devoted to what Jesus taught them. And so whenever we say that we are people of more and we learn more, the first thing that we have to understand is, is that even though I'm saved, I still need to be learning something. Amen. I still need to be educating myself so that I can change spiritually, so that I can spend an eternity in heaven. Because guess what? If the inner man is still messed up, the inner man is not going to heaven. We are not bodies. We are souls in possession of a body, and that soul is what is going to go on and live forever. And if that soul is messed up, because we have not catered to filling that soul up with the word of God, we fell ourselves. And it says that they were extremely devoted to the teaching of the apostles, which was the teaching of Jesus. Now ask yourself the question, how many times in a week do I open up the word of God? How many times am I looking at the word of God to see myself and not just argue with somebody about what's right and what's wrong? Because that's what we do as Christians sometimes. We only open up our Bible so we can disprove the belief of someone else instead of changing the lie that's within us. How many times are we making sure that we're extremely devoted to learning more of God? Coming to Bible class. Coming to Bible class on Wednesdays. Taking time at home to read our Bible. How many times are we making it important to learn of God? This early Christian community made time to learn of God. And I want you to understand, I meant to say this earlier, that if you want to understand the concept, go to the first place where it's mentioned in the Bible. I want you to know that in this text right here is the first place where the word fellowship is mentioned. The first place. Koinonia is what the Greek word is, but it's the first place where we see fellowship mentioned. 
And I want you to understand that their fellowship was not chicken, corn, and green beans. Okay? Some of y'all get that because y'all know that's what we ate every first Sunday, fellowship. That wasn't what the fellowship was. It wasn't chicken, corn, and green beans and singing. The fellowship was a broad word like love was. But let's look at this. So it says that they also devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, but also to fellowship. fellowship. Can we say fellowship? I want you to understand that this word fellowship across the New Testament is packed with so much meaning, just like love. When you look at love, you have philo love, you have eros, you have uh, 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 agape love. Fellowship is packed with meaning. Fellowship means contribution, giving. Paul uses that in 2 Corinthians for fellowship. Fellowship means sharing. Fellowship means commonality and relationship among people. I want you to understand that when we talk about fellowship, it encompasses all these things. When we talk about fellowship and being the Christian community that God would have us to be, we ought not have a problem with giving to each other. We ought not have a problem with giving to each other because God has blessed a lot of us with a surplus of things and we ought not hold those things for ourselves only. When we see a brother or sister in need, there ought not be a problem with giving if we have it. That's a way that we show love to each other. If I've been blessed with a surplus of wisdom and I see that you're going through something that my wisdom could use, I give it. Even though it may hurt your feelings, even though it may make you mad, if it's something that could be helpful towards you, I give it. If I've been blessed with a surplus of shoes or clothes and I see that you have less, you're walking around in the cold with no jacket, I give it. If I've been blessed with a surplus of finances and money and I see that you're in need, I give it. If I've been blessed with a huge home and there's a location for a Bible study, amen, I volunteer that home. Because if God has blessed you with a big home, what good is it if you're the only person in it? We're talking about sharing, right? And giving. If I'm talking about what fellowship looks like among the church, I ought not have a problem with sharing. And what the problem is sometimes is some of us have a problem. Listen, some of us have a problem with receiving what's being shared. Our pride gets in the way. We say, I can't take that. I got too much pride to accept a handout. I'd rather work for it. When your Christian brother and sister is trying to give you something that you need. Amen. Are we listening? Our pride will get in the way of a blessing so many times. Fellowship encompasses also the commonality. I can be a black man and have fellowship with a white man or a Latino man or an Asian man because of God. We have a commonality. We have something that always comes down to us believing in the one true God, believing that Jesus Christ came, hung, bled, and died for our sins. We have that thing in common. No matter where we came from, no matter how old we are, we have a commonality, a sharing of belief. When we come together and we look at this communion table, our common belief is, is that we are remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. All of us have that belief. If you don't, you should. You're in a good place. 
but all of us should have that belief. Fellowship allows for that to happen. Fellowship should be a part of the church. We see this here. What what does it say after fellowship? It says also that they devoted, extremely gave themselves to what? The breaking of bread. The breaking of bread and what else? And the prayers. And prayers. I want you to understand that when they talk about the breaking of bread, it's not really clear as what they're talking about. Now, if you look at the book of Acts, when they talk about breaking of bread, it's usually referring to communion, right? It's usually talking about communion. But this could also have meant whenever they come together to have a meal because you didn't just sit down with anybody, right? When you invited somebody in your home in this time to eat a meal with you, that means that I vouch for this person. This person I don't mind being seen with because I know that they live a good life and they won't make me look bad. So it says that they were extremely devoted to either the breaking of the bread, which is communion. And if you think about this, if they're extremely devoted to this thing, that means that they weren't on their tablets and their phones when it was time for communion. This means that they weren't thinking about that bad day that they had at their job when it was time for communion. This means that they were only focused on the sacrifice that Jesus made because they took it extremely, extremely serious. It says here that they were devoted. That means they put extreme effort towards this thing. Now we got to ask ourselves, Avenue G, how, how important is communion to us? And how focused are we on the sacrifice of Jesus? Now, I know, I know and I understand that our our attention spans keep getting shorter and shorter because of phones and and tablets and technology. It's hard to focus on things. So guess what? We gave you an aid. We gave you an aid. Said here's some moving pictures of, of a depiction of Jesus dying on the cross. And we still won't even focus on that. We got a song that sings during the communion. says, you are so worthy, Lord. And we won't focus on Jesus still. And if that's happening, I want you to know that that's a problem. If your kids aren't learning to stay focused during communion, I want you to know you're setting them up for failure because they're going to grow into grown people who are not focused during communion. Understand that. There's a purpose behind everything that we do. It was of extreme importance for them to be focused on the breaking of bread and also to prayer. As I mentioned before, prayer is our conversation that we have to God. You know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to talk when someone doesn't talk back to you. Just think about how you look when you pray. When you go, when you're at home and you go, you get down on your knees to pray before you go to bed, or if you're just praying in your living room, just think about what you look like. One person sitting there by yourself talking words when no other person is in the room. It takes a lot of faith to believe that you're speaking to somebody, right? For us to speak words to God, the same God we haven't seen, touched, heard audibly, takes faith. It builds a relationship, right? It's a relationship building thing. It's important that we talk to God. We ought to be comfortable with talking to God. We ought to be comfortable with taking God our thankfulness, 
our praise and our complaints. He already knows what you're going through. For us to take it to him shows that we have faith in him. Shows that we have faith in him. So it says that they were extremely devoted to breaking bread and prayers. And it continues on. Verse number 43. What happens? And awe came upon every it says, soul. Awe came upon every soul. Everybody was blown away by what? And many signs, many wonders many and signs wonders were being done through the apostles. signs were being done through the apostles. I want you to understand that when the church is consumed with taking these things serious and playing their roles, taking care of their duties, God's men are able to duplicate what started this great event. It says here that the apostles were able to do great wonders and great signs. I want you to see this here. If the community of God if the Avenue G Church of Christ is individually, every person taking care of their duties and responsibilities as a Christian, God's men can do great wonders and signs in the world. But if the church fails to do so, then we have to waste our time going out doing what everybody else should be doing. And the teaching suffers. And the preaching suffers. And the planning suffers. And the leadership suffers. Do y'all see this here? When they mention these words again, this is a callback to what happened at the beginning of Acts uh, chapter 2. When they started to speak in tongues and Peter was preaching his sermon, he says that in the time when the Holy Spirit comes, many great signs and wonders would happen. Let me show you this. Acts chapter 2. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse number 22. I want you to see this. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. The Bible reads, men of Israel, go ahead, Brother Arnold, you can read it. Hear these words. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by this God. This is Peter preaching this sermon. He says, I want you, everybody who is a child of God, everybody who belongs to this house of Israel, whether you be the bloodline of Israel or whether you have been grafted in, right? Whether you have brought in as a proselyte, excuse me. He says, I want you to hear these words. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, what? A man attested to you he by God. He says that Jesus has been proven to be who he is by God. And this is based on what? With mighty works and wonders. With mighty works and wonders. And signs. And signs. That God did through him. Keep reading. In your midst. As you yourselves know. Uh-huh. Keep reading. This Jesus. He said, this Saint Jesus. Delivered up. Delivered up. According to the definite plan. He said, because God had a plan, Jesus was delivered up. Come on, keep and going. And for knowledge of God, uh -huh. you crucified. Keep and, going. And killed by the hands of lawless uh -huh. men. Verse 24. God raised he him said, up. God raised him up. Loosing the pangs of loosing death. Loosing the pangs of death. Because it was not possible for him what to I be held by What I want you to see it. is this. Because the apostles were out there doing the will of God after Jesus sent them out. They were able to accomplish something bigger than themselves. When Jesus sent the apostles out to go teach what he taught them, Jesus was able to carry out his mission, mission and more people were blessed than it would have been if it was just him by himself. In the same way, if the leaders of the church are able to do their work towards the world while the church does their work and responsibilities, we can bless many lives. Many lives. Sometimes we get into this mode, and it's, it's, it, I've been there, and I'll admit it. Sometimes we get into this mode where we think the church is only for us. 
We only want to do things with us in the body. We only want to come together and celebrate and eat potlucks and just have a good old time while people are out there literally dying, not knowing God, not knowing the truth. And what we fail to realize is, is that when you give someone God, the great emotion that it brings to yourself, if you want to give yourself a pep up, teach somebody about God and have them believe it. That's an awesome feeling. That's an awesome feeling to help guide somebody towards God. You feeling down? Help somebody. Help somebody. Give. Sacrifice. And see how it makes you feel. It's quiet now. Maybe we aren't doing it. But it is something that will make you feel good. When we look back at the text, Ephesians 2, 44 through 45, what does the Bible say the brother on it? And all, it says that, and all who believed were together, who believed were together, and had all things in common, and had all things in common. I want you to see here that what the Bible is saying here is that everything was equal across the board among this first community. This wasn't communism, because this is what people will say, because they don't want to give up what they have. Some people got a lot of money and a lot of things, and they say, well, I don't believe in giving things to people. They need to work for what they want. Ain't nowhere in the Bible that teaches that. Now, I know that's not proper English, but you don't see that in God's word. You don't see you need to pull yourself up by your own two bootstraps. You don't see that in God's word. You do see that if a man wants to eat, he needs work. But you don't see the selfish attitude to where I can't give what I have to someone else. It says that this early community had all things in common. And what does it say verse 45, Brother Arnold? And they were selling their possessions. It says that these people, listen, these people had come from many different nations, many different countries, some as far as Africa. Do you understand these people traveled long distances and they left their homes and stayed in this one location and began to sell off what belonged to them? And what did they do with it? They were selling their possessions uh -huh. and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. What they did was this possession word and his belongings, the word possessions here is mostly in the Greek applied to land. They were selling their land, taking the money and giving it to where everybody had what they needed. They were taking their possessions, their belongings, selling them and distributing among everybody. Now, it doesn't state that they took everything that they had and sold it, but it says that they were selling things right. and making sure that everybody was taken care of. Yes, How often do we see the needs of others and try to help? There are times when we have opportunities where we can actually help someone and give to someone, and we choose to skip that moment. That's not what the early Christian community did. And when we see our brother and sister in need, we ought to help them. Now, I'll say that the Avenue G Church of Christ has done a great job of that, more so than I've seen in any other church. If there's someone in need and they come to us, because we don't know if you don't tell us, the Avenue G Church of Christ does help its members. Okay? And we do have resources where we're connected to. And I keep telling y'all, if you want, if you needed help with your electric bill, you need to let me know. We can get that paid. 
If you need a cell phone and you're on government assistance, we can get that taken care of where you don't have to pay a thing. We have resources that we've been able to connect with where we can help you take care of the things you need. Okay? But if we're going to show love towards each other and love more, we have to make sure that we're taking care of the needs of each other. Amen? Verse number 46. And day by day, uh -huh. attending the temple together right. and breaking bread in their homes, right. they received their food with glad and generous hearts. What I want you to see here, these people, they didn't mind spending time with each other. They did not mind spending time with each other. It was saying day by day. They were around each other at the temple, which they were choosing. They were going there to learn, to pray, to worship God, breaking bread in their homes. They were coming together and eating a meal together. They didn't care it, what you look like, what, what language you spoke. They were just coming together and didn't mind spending time with each other. And it says that they were glad and their hearts were generous. I want you to understand that being around other Christians will change your outlook. The greatest tool of the devil is to get you to stay by yourself because you will do yourself harm. You will ruin your mood. You will think of all kinds of things of why people don't love you. I want to tell you it's the truth. I've been in those dark places myself, sitting there not contacting people, not even talking to God, thinking about all the bad things that could happen. Ain't happened, but thinking about what could happen. That's what happens when you're by yourself. Not realizing that if I choose to be around other like-minded people, the storm that I'm going through, this brother or sister just came out of. And they can tell me, you're going to make it. God's going to bring you through. You're not by yourself. If you need me, even if it's just prayers, if you need me, I'm there. And that, that is a blessing. They continue breaking bread in their homes. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. In verse 47, what's, what's the result of all of this, Brother Arnold? Praising God. Praising God. And having favor with all the people. Uh-huh. And the Lord added to the, their number day by day those who were being now, saved. Now, we hear this verse all the time, and yet we might miss the meaning here. I want you to understand that when a community that exists that has all the elements of what we talked about here today, I want you to understand that we will have favor with all people. That means that the world will look at this community of believers and say, those are good people. Here, take these resources that I have. I don't mind coming into this body because it looks like a good place to be. It says that they had all had favor with all people. And it created this community of people who looked on this godly community and said, those are good people. When all these things happen, it also says that the Lord added to their number. There should never be a focus. There should never be a focus. On us building up the number 
without first addressing the spiritual. Some of you might say this. I've been in churches to where they have hundreds of people. This church isn't big enough for me. I can't go here. You can be in a church with a thousand people and only have 10 people who are actually spiritually strong. If you take care of the spiritual side of things, God will take care of the numbers. It says that God added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So it was more than just those 3,000 souls. It says that every day people were being saved because this type of love existed among the first century church. This fellowship that we should have among ourselves in the church, it, equ- it equates to a productive church or a congregation. Outside people will look on us as an influence. Also understand the dangers, the dangers, and we'll talk about this next week when we talk about do more. I want you to understand that there's danger in only keeping that love in-house. Turn your Bibles over to Acts 8. I didn't have this in the slide, so don't worry about that there. But look at Acts chapter 8. Because, like I said earlier, there are times when we say this love that exists among us is only for us. Now, I want you to see that the church, this is six chapters after Acts chapter 2. The church was still growing. Uh, The church was prospering, spreading the gospel, so much so that they caught the attention of the government. And the Roman government did not like the fact that someone else was being called the son of God when they believed that their leader was God. Their teaching had made it all the way up and climbed the ladder of the government. And so they started to do something. Acts chapter 8, verse number 1. Read that. Now, Saul was consenting to his death. Now, I want you to understand, this is after Stephen was stoned. This man, Stephen, he went before some other folks that were supposed to be holy, and he told what he believed about Jesus Christ, and they chose to kill him. Keep reading. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church. A great persecution arose against the church. Pause right there, Brother Arnold. Uh, could I have Brother Avon get Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20? Use that mic there. Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. I want you to see something because the mission and the benefits of being a child of God are not only for us as children of God. The benefits are not only for us. What does it say there, Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20? All authority in heaven uh-huh. and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus. Matthew 28, 18, 19, 20. Come on. Go read. therefore. He says, and make go therefore. Make disciples. Pause there. Make disciples. Make students. Teach people what I have taught you. Keep reading. Baptizing them in he the says, name of the Father. He says, then I want you, after you make students out of them, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the and Son, the Son and, come the on. Holy Spirit. and the Holy Spirit. Keep Teaching reading. them to observe all Continue that with have the commanded you. Observe all things that have been commanded. Keep reading. And behold, and I behold. am with you always. Pause right there. He says, I want you to teach then baptize, then teach again to obey all things that have been commanded. Now, what happened is, is in Jerusalem, all these people who came together tried to stay in Jerusalem, and the rest of the world was not receiving the gospel. And when that happened, what happened, Brother brother uh, Arnold? I am... And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea. It says that they were staying around in Jerusalem, trying to stay in Jerusalem and teach the same thing. Even though they were doing great things, what happened? 
And they were all scattered throughout the region. It says they were scattered. God caused persecution or allowed persecution to happen in Jerusalem to where they had to go back to where they came from and spread the gospel. So I want you to understand that while love among the church is a good thing, if it only stays here, there's no good. It's no good if it only stays here. So we need to love on each other and love the world. Love on each other and teach the world. Love on each other, baptize the world. Love on each other and show the world who God is. Or else it's pointless. Amen. Amen. If you're a Christian this morning, I want you to understand that if you've been living a life without love, God still loves you. And you're still breathing. And blood is still flowing through your veins. And I want you to know that there's opportunity for you to get right with God. You don't have to stay feeling like you're feeling. God still loves you. This is an opportunity to come forward and ask for prayers. Ask for change in your life. Ask for something more powerful than yourself to come in your life. And then believe that you can change. Because guess what? You can If you're not a Christian, I want you to understand that God wants you to be a part of the body. God wants all of those sins that you played a part in. He doesn't want to have to see them anymore. And he's given us the way to do that. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, down here as a human being to die for our sins. He died. He rose. He got up. Said that we would have a chance at new life. If you believe that. If you're ready to change your mind about the way that you've been living without God, if you're ready to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you're ready to be baptized for the remission of your sins, get rid of all those sins of your past, right now is the time to do so. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Do it now. Because we understand and we know that life is not promised. And that's no matter what age you are. Do not hesitate. Please do so as we sing the song of invitation. I really love the Lord. Oh, I really love the Lord. And you don't know, you don't know what he's done for. I want you to know that God's love is more powerful than what we can express. And right and now, I'm offering you love God's love. It's for you. No matter what you've done in your past, God's love is for you. Really love.